Transcend. This word has been described as to go beyond, to surpass, or to exist above and independent of, or to triumph over negative or restrictive aspects. Welcome to the Transcendent Leader Podcast. My name is Maria Joreco. I'm an immigrant, a member of the visible minority, an Asia professional who specializes in diversity and inclusion work. My goal is to help you, our listeners, be the best version of yourselves, to level up, to live better, and to lead better. If you want to develop the skills, capabilities, and inclusive behaviors of your leaders and employees, contact me at maria at theinclusionjourney.com. That's my email address. It's maria at theinclusionjourney.com. And you'll also see that information in the note pages of this podcast. Hi, Joanny. Welcome to our Transcendent Leader podcast. We're happy to have you here uh, today. So um, we are very privileged to have you to share your experiences, your insights on really how to actually be the best version of yourselves, be that transcendent leader that all of us actually are meant to be. And so I'll stop talking now. I'd like to welcome you. And uh, my first question to you, uh, Joanne, is can you tell us more about yourself, um, you know, who you are, uh, what you're currently doing, and um, uh, any insights that you want to share with the audience when it comes to um, the struggles and success that you've had? Yeah, so thank you so much, Maria, for having me here. So my name is Joanne, and I'm based out of New York City. Um, I'm in the Bronx. Um, so I basically came to this country uh, as an immigrant I'm from Dominican Republic with my mom and my grandma when I was two years old. So in the 90s. Um, and yeah, I grew up here, um, not knowing the language, not knowing the culture, you know, went back to my country, you know, um, but eventually, you know, I made it through college and, you know, um, study psychology. That's really what my background is. Um, but life um, ended, ended up in the restaurant industry. So my family and I own three restaurants here mm-hmm. um, that we started in 2011 uh, when I was working at McDonald's, which is an inter- interesting story of how that started. Um, but I teach now immigrants and women of color how to get into the food business um, industry or how to open a restaurant um, by teaching them everything that we've done and giving them information and access to our restaurants as well for any training or you know any resources that, that they that they might need. So that's basically the middle summary of who I am. Mm-hmm. No, that's very um, interesting because uh, it's you know three restaurants that you have right now so and you just started uh like eight years ago yes so and so this particular restaurant is this like a diner um or is it a franchise of mcdonald's so what type of restaurant is this so they are three independent restaurants um so two are spanish tapas wow Uh, yeah and one is mexican cuisine Mm -hmm. yes and so you build it from uh, from scratch, like you know, you were the ones, you and your mom. Your partner is your mom in this business, your mother. Yes. So yes. you were the ones who really um, set up this restaurant. So, and what what gave you that 
interest. So what inspired you to really start a restaurant business? Because you mentioned you were also a, I know, part of your experience most likely is uh, in the fast food industry. So you were working as um, an employee and a manager with McDonald's. Yeah, so in 2011, I was working at McDonald's and going to college at night at the same time. Mm. And, you know, made my way up to manager. Um, And I learned a lot in that job about, you know, managing staff, managing a, a store and all those things. And my mom came to me and she said, hey, you know, I want you to do some research and see what is it that I that I have to do to buy a franchise. Um, and so I was really shocked because, I mean, for me, that meant like that she was ready. You know, she had saved a lot of money and I admire her so much. Um, and I've seen her sacrifice, right? She went back to school. She got her degree in accounting and business administration. And she was ready to just, you know, take on her dream. She wanted a restaurant. But at first, we wanted that route of buying a franchise. But we couldn't because one of the requirements were that you had to have a bit, an established business running for two years under your name. And so that wasn't, we didn't have that. So the second thing we tried was buying a bar that was already established. I already had a kitchen, everything to go, like just buying it, um, you know, and making it into our own, no renovations needed. And the owner at the last minute backed out. So that mm-hmm. was the, the second time we kind of like um, bumped, you know, had a bump in the road. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we decided to look for empty space and renovate it into our own restaurant, our own concept, everything from scratch. And that really was um, really rewarding because from there, we, we expanded to a second place, different concept, and then a third place, which is also a different concept. So now we have three restaurants um, that we operate. And, you know, and they're all located in New York. In, uh, New York. in New York. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are. Two in the Bronx and one in Manhattan. Wow. And how many people are you managing or are you um, actually, how many people are employed with your restaurants? So I would say anywhere from 20 to 25 in each one. Um, Yeah. So how do you manage those three restaurants? Like, are you, um, what's your role in managing the restaurant? Is it your mom who is overseeing it? Um, How involved are you when it comes to running the restaurant? Yeah. My mom is the one who oversees it. She's the admin, um, of the of all of them um my stepfather which is also he um he served as a bartender for 20 years and a server so he's part of the team he's kind of like the face um and the customer service and like the general manager of all of all of them but we also have other people and and the other two restaurants that we have we have for example um a young lady who is part owner as well um, of Cañave, which is the Mexican cuisine restaurant. And she's, she serves as, you know, she's there as staff, but she's also owner, part owner, and she is um, kind of like the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so in each one, you know, there is a manager um, that's not, that could be a partner or in the other case in Tilila, which is a second restaurant. Um, I mean, I'm sorry, in Tin Marin, which is the first restaurant. Our manager is not the owner, um, he's, but he's part of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my stepfather, he's like the general manager. 
and he does oversees all of them. So mm-hmm. my role um, has been really um, to be a support, you know, to help out wherever I can um, sitting. I usually when I am involved in the restaurant, I take care of the customers and um, sitting them down and doing customer service, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not so much very hardly involved, but now taking all of that that we have and teaching it to other people. Mm-hmm. So that's how it, my idea came about. It's like, what can I actually do mm-hmm. that, that can mean more to me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you mentioned earlier that the actual, um, the people that you wanted to learn this system of business is, um, you know, people of color, um, immigrants, right? So uh, why are you targeting them? What makes you, um, you know, make sure that you're supporting this type of, uh, this group of people? So for me, it's important to mentor women of color because um, I, I think there's a lot of um, leaders in the restaurant industry that are, you know, met white men or, you know, white women um, who dominate it and are very high up. So they are like VP of, you know, a very recognized franchise that's, you know, up there. You, you see names that are, you know, COOs or CEO of, you know, these really recognized um, brands. And I think that women of color like me don't really relate to them um, because they're so high up. So I think it's more difficult for immigrants like me who came to this country, Neo, and women of color to really see themselves in those types of people. And I want them to be able to see themselves in people who are like them, um, who were where they are like five minutes ago, right? Um, so that was me five minutes ago. And if I can do it, and if my family can do it, then you can do it. And that's really the message. Yeah, no, and you know, and that's why I invited you to this podcast because this is very much aligned to the theme of transcendent leadership. Um, you know, transcendent leadership is going above and beyond any restrictions, any limitations, and uh, with the kind of um, success that you have right now in terms of setting up the business and supporting your 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 family in the, in the business, uh, and knowing that you are an, an immigrant and a you know, people of, uh, person of color as well. Um, that really is the reality that um, there are a lot of challenges that, uh, you know, people of color like us, I'm also, you know, a people of color, a person of color. So um, we face a lot of challenges and um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, limitations when it comes to being successful. And so that's why I invited you because I think your story is very inspiring and uh, it really aligns to that transcendent leadership uh, value or behavior. Um, During the pandemic, so how has it affected you and your businesses? Yeah, uh, during the pandemic, when almost a year ago, when it started, it it did affect us in a way that we had to pivot really quickly, be creative and just Mm. go with the flow. So in 2020, in March, we had a three three to four month period where we were only allowed to do delivery and takeout. And so we had to really depend on the uh, support of our community. And we were lucky that we had that. So 
the local community as opposed to other restaurants who maybe were in tourist areas and depended on tourism. We didn't depend on that because we mm. were, right, we were in a local neighborhood and our customers are locals. Um, so yeah, they supported us tremendously and we made sure that we were staying connected via Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook. We did, uh, for example, we had local artists who would play at our restaurants usually um, go live on Instagram and still provide a virtual show for our customers. Mm -hmm. We also did virtual karaoke. Uh, we had a DJ come in and provide like a video show on Instagram live um, and doing little things like that, reaching out to the community and catering small events um, and any, any little events that people had, like supporting the clinics and the hospitals mm -hmm. who needed food. Um, and so and, and your, <laughs> your, your state is, you know, one of those hardly hit uh, areas in the United States when it comes to the pandemic, right? So yes. uh, in spite of that, you have kept your um, clients engaged. Uh, you have pivoted quickly. Um, so there's a lot of creativity there um, and congratulations to that. And uh, um, you have mentioned too that, you know, so you have three restaurants, uh, two Spanish restaurants, and then the other one is what type Me of cuisine? Mexican cuisine. Mexican. I'm just curious. So how come you didn't open uh, a restaurant that is um, featuring your, um, your culture uh, from the Dominican Republic? <laughs> <laughs> so did you do some market research and you know is it part of that business decision that yes. uh you know because there's more maybe um interest for this type of food and culture is that yes. how you base your decision yes yeah, so um in both neighborhoods where we operate the spanish tapas restaurants uh, we know that are the demographic that lives there uh -huh. that's what they really enjoy but we also put a, a dominican twist to oh. every, yeah so we have you know like pastelitos that we we have in our menu and things like that are from spanish croquetas and things like that but they have a, like a little spanish you know twist um cocas gonzalez is like it looks like this pizza thing but it's just bread and cheese and it has like a couple of things in there so we don't sell like arroz and habichuela and things like that. Like my, my dad who lives in Florida would come down and be like, why don't you sell rice and beans? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, no, we have paella, uh, uh, which is Spanish and it's rice and yeah. mariscos and things like that. Uh, we sell Maduro. You could get a side of Maduro's with that. And you see how already, you know, you, you feel the, the Dominican culture. Um, and then the Mexican cuisine you know, we really wanted to go into a different kind of cuisine and, and put the Dominican twist to it as well. Mm -hmm. That's again, the creativity is there. Um, has there been any challenges when you first started your business? Uh, because, you know, um, people will see that, okay, so they're not, maybe they're not from Spain, they, they didn't originate from Spain, but they're offering Spanish food. So how, how did you actually, uh, you mentioned something about the, pop, the population in that area is mainly this group of people or this people from this culture. Um, has there been some challenges when it comes to really making sure that, okay, so even though we are not authentic, uh, you know, people from Spain, we can provide you this authentic uh, 
food from Spain. So how did you go about with that particular uh, aspect of the business? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think it was because from the very beginning when we leased that first space and we do this every time, people would pass by and we would still be renovating and we would invite them in for a glass of wine for complimentary glass of wine and then we would you know tell them this is what we're doing this is the food we want to serve um, and we want you to be part of it we want you to, to let us know what you think um, if there's anything we should include and we also would um, invite them to a uh, food tasting so we do this rehearsal before mm-hmm. opening a restaurant and we have many locals come in to give them for us to get feedback. And I think that went a long way, mm-hmm. right? Knowing is this gonna be accepted in this community. Mm-hmm. Wow, that was a great um, tips and a great, great strategy too. So um, you also mentioned to me, uh, you know, prior, you mentioned that you, you're planning to implement a high school program to train uh, future food operators. So can you tell us more about it? Yeah, so I I always wanted I've always been involved with youth. Um, I worked in Haiti and South Africa, Honduras, and many orphanages, and here in New York City as well in shelters. Um, and I, you know, I I've seen on the news, for example, one of the things I've seen is a young man. Um, he's coined the youngest restaurant owner now. Um, he opened a Um, hot dog stand but he made it into a restaurant and he's now located in a college campus so he has like tables and chairs outdoors and it's not just hot dogs but he put his own twist on it Mm -hmm. Um, so he really made it like a cuisine Um, and I think that young people should be learning about this in school um, and they should be given the opportunity to from a very early age start thinking about, okay, is, is, do I like this type of business? And do I want to, you know, start working whatever job they're working and start saving money to then open whatever it is that I want to open and in the food industry. And I think, yeah, that's a program that I'm in the process of creating, um, which would go into high schools and middle schools Um, And just, you know, inspire them and and give them the opportunity to learn about what is needed, what they have to do in order to get there and what type of businesses they can start, like a hot dog stand that's really a simple business model, a deli, a food truck or, you know, a cafe, things like that. So you are actually uh, teaching the youth to become uh, an entrepreneur. Um, that's, that's, that's great. And that's, um, I think that's a very, um, uh, value driven type of, um, you know, work. So, um, and I saw, you know, you, I heard from you that you're also doing some, um, missions as well, uh, with youths, not just in the U S but, uh, in the United States, uh, outside the United States too. So, um, how do you actually, um, see, entrepreneurship and um, a mission-driven type of work um, going together in terms of having a successful business? Mm -hmm. That's a really great question. I think it's a balance of both, right? Some of us 
many of us can are lucky to find ourselves in the ability to create a business that gen, would generate income and at the same time would provide um, a value to the community and uh, be driven and, and really giving back, right? And teaching something that's really close to your heart and you feel like you can serve people in that way. So I think it goes, yeah, I think it's it's that and um, just um, making it something that people want and people can drive change with, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To, their own, to their own community, to their own country. Mm-hmm. Um, so for example, one of the first people who I'm working with is the founder of an orphanage in South Africa that I previously worked with. Um, we raised capital for her to buy a mobile food kitchen. And we were very successful. She's bought the mobile food kitchen already and she's setting up her menu, advertising and things like that. And the kids that she cares for are very excited and they already have taken food prepping courses and Mm. things like that. So they're very excited um, about it. And this is gonna bring uh, income to her Mm-hmm. It's going to solve the food insecurity problem that they have in that that's what the most real problem that she has over there is food insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to teach the kids so, so much, so much life skills, so many life skills and, and job skills mm-hmm. um, so that there you go. It's that mission work that you feel like this is what you want to do. This is the thing you were born to do. Um, and at the same time, how can I make this into a business model? And how can I, you know, charge people or how do I make an income so that I am taken care of as well? Mm-hmm. So this is your program right now. This is one that uh, you're teaching um, uh, and you're focusing on uh, helping uh, people with color um, doesn't matter whether women or men. So as long as you're an immigrant, that's mm-hmm. your, your um, really the type of people that you wanted to learn about this program. So yes. um, can you tell us more about it? Um, how long is the program? Uh, what are the requirements for them to get in? And maybe perhaps provide, provide our listeners right now some uh, tips you know, that you actually teach in your program, you know, a little bit of tip to be successful in setting up a restaurant business. Yes. So, so my program is depending on the client could last for four months to six months. Um, and that the requirements for someone to be able to sign up is, um, you know, I, we have to get in a 30 minute call where um, I give them some clarity. Um, and this call is free and it's available to anyone. You don't have to sign up for my services, mm-hmm. but we talk through, you know, what that their idea is, their dream is, what kind of concept they envision, what kind of questions they have. Um, And so in that session, we get through a lot of like, you know, the unknowns that they have that I can answer. Um, And then from there, you know, we would go into either raising capital, if that's something that they need help with, Mm -hmm. um, crowdfunding, looking at grants, and SBA loans, um, looking into whether they have a network of a friend or a family member 
that might be interested in investing with them, so a partner. Um, this is one of the things that I advise people to, to do if they don't have you know, the um, enough money to go into business alone. We went into business for the first time with two partners um, of ours. So they own about 40% of one of our restaurants and they're, they're a really great um, addition to our team, right? Is that they provide that safety net of, okay, I have this amount of funds in case uh, we have a season where we're not making much money or for example, we have the pandemic mm-hmm. where now we have to depend on the money we have aside to pay our staff to make sure that we pay the bills and things like that. So I teach them that and I can help with that. Um, From there, we go into looking for a space um, and what, you know, what they should be looking out for and the area that they want to choose. So there's a lot of requirements. Like, for example, the first thing they have to do is really um, see if that space has enough gas um, so they could call Con Edison would be here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, to see if, if that kitchen area is going to be the right, you know, the right space for them. Um, other things like did the previous owner have a liquor license and how, you know, was that liquor license affected? Um, for example, some establishments have fights or something happened and their liquor license got affected or suspended. So that would mean that space is not not right for you because you don't wanna, when you're applying for the liquor license again, it's probably gonna be denied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you guide them through the process and then do you also uh, provide them like some kind of a uh, training on how to manage the business aside from guiding them through the process of Mm -hmm. uh you know this is how you start your restaurant um do you also teach them like the business skills that they needed to be able to run the business is that part of the four to six months you mentioned that you mentioned yes it is um it is but it's more we get to that part when it's much more hands-on right because Mm -hmm. there's this big um obstacle stopping them from actually looking for a space and starting and opening it then we go into menu you know how do you design a menu how do you get inventory how do you connect with um the suppliers that are going to supply you and how you how do you hire staff um and basically you know run shifts and you know make sure that you you get everything you need and that Mm -hmm. you have the paperwork that needs to be done and you mm-hmm. understand everything that needs to happen on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And so do you just help uh, people who are based in the United States or do you provide this training or program? Do you offer this outside uh, people um, from the U.S. as well? I provide I provide it outside the U.S. as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. I okay. find, yeah, I find it's um, easier, right? With mm-hmm. the woman in South Africa, she's already... I think in about two months, we raised the money and she's already bought her mobile food kitchen. And so, you know, money goes a long way over there. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the U.S., you know, it could be a little bit more complex, the mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. And so um, how often do you um, take people into your program? Like, do you so, have a date for mm-hmm. the program or, you know, um, do you take people continue- on a continuous basis? 
I take people on a continuous basis. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, so when it comes to um, like the, um, uh, if I want to own a restaurant, for example, and I'm in the US, what is the minimum amount of capital that I would need to be able to open up a restaurant, like the mm -hmm. business itself? Yes. So um, that's a great question. It depends on the state and it depends on right? Um, whether you want to look for an empty space and renovate it, that would be the most, you would need the most capital there in New York City. I believe we had to have $200,000, but it could be as little as 40,000, 30,000 in another state. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Depends on the state, eh? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, there is a website that I provide my clients with and people who get on a free session with me um, where you can see restaurants that are for sale. Um, so basically what you're doing there is you're buying, um, putting cash in for a space that already has everything you need in it, equipment, kitchen, fridge, the bathroom, like you don't need, you probably need to do one or two things to it. Um, and you in New York City, I've seen listings for as little as forty thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. So and yeah, and it shows you the demographics of that area, how much that um, the previous restaurant was making. So it gives you a lot of information. So there's a lot of options out there to buy a, a space who that is ready to go. So okay. is that the is that the like the quickest way to enter the business if we yes. have the capital? Yes, it is. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. And uh, no, this is uh, very, um, you know, inspiring, very great information to uh, Joanne. So um, where can they find you and, uh, you know, how can they get a hold of the information about your program? So they can both find me and find information about my program at my website, which is, which is Um If you want to connect with me on on Instagram, I am at Joaz underscore coaching. Can you spell that please, Jay? Because your name is a bit unique as well. Yes. So, so my website is J Joani Perez, J-H-O-A-N-N-Y. And then Perez is P-E-R-E-Z dot com. And then your Instagram handle is? At Joaz, which is J-H-O-A-S underscore coaching okay perfect and i'll include this information as well on our podcast notes so people can um uh, connect with you on this one uh well you know what um i just want to end this maybe if you can i know i didn't ask you to prepare this but if you can think of a very nice quote to inspire our viewers right now um what can you um share with us when it, when it comes to this quote yeah, so I would say, you know, take messy action mm -hmm. um, and start with what you have. So go for, just go for it. Don't worry about whether I have the right equipment or not to start a business or whether you have money, just start today and, you know, take action, even if it's messy action. So don't worry about how you look, how you sound, just start. 
perfect. Beautiful, beautiful and inspiring quote. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, uh, Joanne. It's a pleasure to have you. And um, I'm pretty sure our listeners have taken so much information and insight and an actionable tip as well from you, uh, from this uh, podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Maria. You're welcome. Bye for now. Bye. So in each of our episodes, you will hear about the mindsets, the attributes, and the behaviors we need to level up our lives, our leadership to the transcendent level. You will get the tips and actionable strategies that you can apply in your relationships, work, and society. Growth mindset, empathy, trust, resilience, emotional intelligence, intercultural intelligence, leading in a diverse and inclusive workplace. These are just some of the topics that you will get out of our episodes. After tuning in on each episode, you will surely keep coming back for more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, and I look forward to having you join me on the next episode. See you next time!